Welcome into the program, listeners. Let's talk on WISR 680 AM 107.5 FM. I am Tyler Frio. Let's talk our half hour where we sit down and chat with guests and uh, from different businesses, organizations. And today our guest comes from Butler Health System and he joins us by telephone. It is Dr. Chad Henriksen, who is a dermatologist for Butler Health System. And uh, Dr. Henriksen, it's great to have you here on the air. Uh, it's great to be with you, Tyler. Thanks for having me. So as we will dive into our conversations, we always like to take this time to remind our listeners that uh, if you can stick around for the whole half hour of our conversation, no worries. You can go to WISR680.com and check out uh, our Let's Talk program page, find Butler Health System, and you'll be able to find our conversation with Dr. Henriksen. And we also are now on Spotify as well. Just search for Let's Talk WISR, and you can find our conversation today. Well, it is a good time to talk to you, Dr. Henriksen, because... Well, the sun is shining, and that means people are going to be outside a lot more. And while we all enjoy the sunshine, there are some dangers associated with it, and that's why May is National Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, What is your overall message for folks as we hit this time of year? Uh, Yeah, this is a perfect time to be talking to folks. Uh, I always say I I feel like I see more sunburns um, in April and May sometimes than other times of the year uh, when people think that it might be more common to, to be burnt. Um, and, I, and I think that's because, you know, the sun's finally back out in Western Pennsylvania. It's been months since we've, you know, had sunshine. Uh, and so people are eager to get out. It's not that hot yet either. Um, and so they don't feel like the sun's that intense and they get burnt. And, you know, with regard to, skin cancer, we know that it's exceedingly common. It's the most common cancer in people, period, is skin cancer. Um, But it's very preventable. So if we can avoid those burns, if we can do some protection, um, it's going to go a long way to decreasing our likelihood of having cancer. Well, anecdotally, and again, I know you're joining us by telephone, so you can't see me, but I am a pale Irishman. Uh, and okay. so this time of year can be quite dangerous. And uh, I think you made a really good point where I, I've been in that situation in April and May being outside, working outside. And then all of a sudden, uh, even if there's some clouds around, you get burnt. Uh, what are really some of the, the dangers of, of getting sunburn, uh, and, and as you mentioned, some preventive methods, and we'll get into that, but but when people do get sunburn, what are some of the long-term effects possibly from that? Right. Um, so, the, you know, the main thing we're concerned about is skin cancer. Um, UV radiation from the sun, uh, you know, makes it through the clouds and, uh, you know, um, is absorbed by our skin and actually causes DNA damage and causes cellular damage that then can lead uh, to skin cancer. And we can talk a little bit about the different types of skin cancer. But, you know, aside from that, um, interestingly enough, I mean, people also start getting what's called photo age. And um, it's something they don't think about a lot when they're in their teens, 20s, maybe 30s. But at some point, they're going to realize that, you know, all of that sun exposure led, you know, them to have more wrinkles and more discoloration of their skin that they're not particularly happy about at that point. Uh, and then they want to do something about it. And sometimes it's difficult uh, to go back and try to try to reverse that stuff. So protection 
just um, makes so much sense. Which, uh, again, you know, as uh, you talk about some of the aging effects of it, you know, typically you see people, whether it's on the beach or just even here locally, who are trying to soak up that sun and get that tan. But you're saying, well, uh, you may get that nice tan now. It could have some harming effects uh, as you get older. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, that's why it's so important that we make sure we protect our children, you know, first and foremost, because they're unlikely to do that themselves. Um, and then for ourselves, you know, because then they're getting that when they're, you know, young in the, before they're 10 years old. And then when they're teenagers, you know, kind of starting those habits with regard to, um, you know, decreasing your overall exposure. And, and the different ways you can do that include, you know, avoiding the midday sun, which is very important. From about 10 to 2, the sun is at its most intense, and then uh, the UV radiation reaching the earth is at its most intense. And so that's a simple way. You know, if you're indoors rather than outdoors at that time, you're not getting that UV. Um, you can cover up. You can use UV protective clothing and things like wide-brim hats, which we like to recommend over ball caps, um, because, you know, just that small brim on a ball cap really does not uh, doesn't block much UV radiation. Uh, and then you can use sunscreen, and sunscreen can be very effective um, if it's put on correctly. If people put enough of it on, it, if people don't realize it, it, it takes about a shot glass full of sunscreen to cover the exposed skin when you're, let's say, at the beach in a bathing suit. And then it needs reapplied if you're uh, sweating heavily. Um, or if you're going in the water, it needs to be reapplied. And even if you're just out in the sun for more than several hours, it does break down. It does lose its effectiveness, so it has to be uh, reapplied. I do want to get into the sunscreen conversation a, a little bit more because we go to uh, a pharmacy, we go to the store, and there is a whole shelf of sunscreen to choose from. So what would be your recommendation for folks if they are, let's say, heading to the beach? What type of sunscreen should they get? Uh, and, you know, specifically, what type of SPF should they be looking for? Sure. Yeah, that's a great uh, question. And I know it can be confusing for people. Um, and so I, to kind of keep it simple, I like to tell people to use high SPF. And I would say 50 SPF and above makes sense. And that's for several reasons, um, the, not the least of which is most of us don't put on enough sunscreen. So if you put a, an SPF 50 on, but it's being put on in a, a lesser amount or inappropriately, then it may act like an SPF 30 or an SPF 20. Um, so high SPF makes a lot of sense. It should say broad spectrum on it. That means that it covers UVA and UVB, both which can cause cellular damage and aging and skin cancer. Um, and then, you know, truth of the matter is we'll use what we like. So try different formulations. There's different creams and lotions. Um, and so you want to, you know, try some different ones so you know what you like to put on your body versus put on your face. Um, we're, you know, as dermatologists, we're not particularly big fans of the spray sunscreen. And a lot of that is because it simply just doesn't get on heavy enough. Mm. Um, if you're going to use a spray sunscreen because it's convenient for you, then you should use it actually to puddle it on the skin and then rub it in uh, so that you know that you have enough um, uh, on there. And, um, you know, and that'll, that, that'll make a, a big difference. I think, you know, sometimes we say, 
the best sunscreen is the one people will use, Mm -hmm. you know, so you want to make sure that you find the ones that you like and that you're going to use and, you know, try to be smart about taking it with you, making sure you've got it in your bag or you've got it in your car, because that's a a lot of the problem is people find themselves out and about. They didn't realize they were going to be out for hours. Maybe they're at a baseball game or doing something and they're sitting there for hours and they didn't anticipate it and they have no sunscreen. To, to put on. So having it with you um, is really important. I think that's a good point because you're exactly right. How many times have we been at a ball game, the sunshine breaks out and then uh, you get back in your car and you realize how red uh, you were. Uh, what, yeah. Whenever it comes to the application of it, I, you had said earlier, a shot glass worth, if we're talking mm-hmm. about like the lotion, uh, is that for like uh, one particular spot uh, on, on your body or is that kind of, you know, just a, a good uh, rule of thumb as you are applying it? Right. It's, it's kind of a rule of thumb to, to make you realize how much you would need to cover um, like the entire exposed skin area in a bathing suit. Um, and so I, it just gives people a reference. So if they're just putting a little bit of sunscreen on their hand and rubbing it in, you know, they realize if they had a full shot glass, just how much that is. And, and it will rub in and disappear on the skin. Um, but you want to make sure you get, you know, full application of all the places that are going to be um, exposed to the sun. People forget sometimes the ears and the back of the neck. Um, and, it, you know, interestingly enough, when it comes to skin cancer, um, you know, it will take melanoma for for instance. It's most common in women on the legs, and on men, it's the trunk, and it's probably a sun exposure phenomenon. So, making sure that you know when you're out and about, you are protecting those areas. Uh, again, our guest, Dr. Chad Henriksen, dermatologist with Butler Health System. May is National Skin Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, you had said of melanoma typically on the legs and uh, of women and on the uh, torso of men. Uh, where does uh, the head generally fall? Is that an area that is targeted as well by skin cancer? Yeah, it is. And, and with melanoma, it can happen on any part of the skin anywhere, even non-sun exposed areas. Um, I brought up legs for women and back for men or trunk for men because um, then they may, you know, pay a little more attention to protection, but also evaluating their skin in those areas um, and watching their moles uh, in those areas. But no, it can happen anywhere. And when it comes to the other forms of skin cancer, like uh, basal cell, which is the most common and squamous cell carcinoma, which is the next most common, um, those happen by and large on the head and neck, the arms, and, and the most heavily sun-exposed areas. They are highly associated uh, with sun exposure and may not occur, but very rarely in places that, that don't you know see the light of day, uh, so to speak. But the melanoma can be anywhere, including um, under the fingernail. Uh, it can be on the lips and, and the mouth, in the eyes. Um, you know, and on areas that just don't uh, get much sun exposure. As you described uh, the the types of skin cancer, could you get into a little bit more about what the difference is uh, between these three types of skin cancer? Sure. Um, you know, it's estimated there's, there's 5 million new cases of skin cancer in the United States every year. The vast majority of those are basal cell at probably around 3 million new cases a year, squamous cell at 2 million, and then maybe 100,000 or so, um, you know, with melanoma. It, um, with regard to 
the type, basal cell, although the more, most common, rarely leads to death for anyone. <clears throat> it is uh, locally destructive, so they get larger in place, but they don't metastasize, which is, you know, travel throughout your body, move to the lymph nodes or other organs. Um, but they do need to be removed. And so um, I took, a, you know, several skin cancers uh, off patients just this morning uh, and do every single day and biopsy new ones every single day. But basal cells mostly are just removed and then they're gone um, and we watch for new ones. Squamous cell carcinoma can be more aggressive. Most of them are treated successfully with a simple surgery, um, but they can metastasize and they can lead to death. Uh, and then, you know, the least uh, common of those three is, is melanoma, but it is responsible for the most death. Uh, and that's because it does not have to be very large to metastasize or move throughout the body. And that's what we think of when we, you know, think of cancer death. It's because these tumors have invaded other organs in the body that cause organ dysfunction, which can lead to death. And so that's why you, I think there's a lot more press, um, and deservingly so, about, you know, melanoma, uh, because it's uh, a high rate of that metastasis and, and leading to death. You have to forgive me if this is not a very medically uh, sounding question, uh, but uh, are these just random uh, that happen? Essentially, you know, is somebody prone to a certain type of cancer because of habits they've had in their life, or is it just kind of random uh, right. based on the individual? Right. And, I, you know, I random, it's, it's, there isn't really a random nature to it. There may be parts that we don't understand, but we know that it's an interplay between, you know, your genetic predisposition based on your skin type, right, how easily you burn maybe compared to how easily you can tan, um, also, potentially, you know, uh, genetic mutations that we carry, um, you know, from, that are in our family that we don't necessarily know all of them yet, but we're learning about some of them. You take that predisposition, and I tell people, you know, everybody has sort of their threshold. And their threshold may be higher if they don't have genetic mutations and if their family history uh, of, of no skin cancer and your threshold is set based on that. And then, depending on how much sun exposure you have and other healthy or unhealthy living, you know, habits, like, you know, how much do you um, eat well, sleep well, you know, um, drink enough water instead of, you know, other things like alcohol and smoke, you know, those things all, it's a very complex interplay. So the more healthy your habits, the less likely for these things. And then also the healthy habit of, you know, protecting from the sun. I, I tell people all the time, you don't need to be a hermit. I'm not. I get out uh, very active outside, but just try to be practical about protecting from the sun. Our guest is Dr. Chad Hendrickson, dermatologist with Butler Health System. May is National Skin Cancer Awareness Month. You had mentioned family history. Is that something that people need to be aware about whenever it comes to skin cancer? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's a good point. Uh, you know, many people will be aware of the other types of skin, uh, not skin cancer, but types of cancers that run in their family, but they really won't have any clue until they go, you know, asking, um, you know, if there's been any melanoma or other, you know, other types of skin cancer. And again, because that will make people more aware uh, of their likelihood of developing uh, a skin cancer and hopefully protecting earlier, uh, you know, and, and decreasing their likelihood. 
Is there a certain demographic uh, that you find is more commonly diagnosed uh, with skin cancer, maybe a certain age demographic that is commonly diagnosed with it? Yeah, in general, it's like other cancers. Skin cancer becomes much more common as we get older, um, especially after 50. Um, it's much more common. And again, that has to do with normal aging processes as well as the accumulation um, of sun damage. And then, you know, we do see that, you know, people who have had a lot more exposure for things like uh, work exposure, uh, men or women who have worked outside uh, a lot of their life, um, you know, and then those folks who were more active, maybe they're good fishing, uh, golfing, uh, other outdoor activities and things that, that really uh, increased our exposure significantly. That's the demographic, um, along with, you know, the very light skin light eyes, almost like you described it, you know, sort of your, your Irishman skin that is more sort of pink than brown and burns easily. That's the other part of the sort of demographic we see it much more commonly in. So uh, as we're, you know, learning about skin cancer and an individual, uh, especially maybe someone who is in the older demographic, what symptoms should they be looking for that may uh, prompt a call to the doctor about skin cancer? Yeah. Uh, so most of the skin cancers that we see, you know, being basal cells and squamous cells tend to be, um, red uh, and they may be scaly and they're not going away. So people say, well, it's, it, the story we hear a lot is, oh, it's just, I thought it was a pimple, but this pimple didn't go away. And so when this doesn't go away, it's maybe getting larger. They may be tender. They don't have to be, but they may be tender or painful, uh, and bleeding. Uh, without being traumatized, you know, people aren't picking at these, but they'll bleed. Those are all signs of skin cancer. Uh, and more commonly, like I said, the basal cell and squamous cell carcinoma. Uh, and then, you know, with regard to melanoma, we try to teach people a way to think about the spots on their skin, the moles, and how to potentially pick up on a skin cancer, um, you know, instead of just a mole or other benign skin lesion. And so we talk about the A, B, C, D, E's of melanoma. And A is for asymmetry. So if it was round, but now one side of it is growing some other shape out of it, and you can't essentially cut it down the middle and fold it over on itself, that's asymmetric. Uh, if the border's irregular, it's not smooth, um, then that's concerning. Uh, with regard to C, that's for color. And usually melanomas have multiple colors. They'll be uh, dark black, they may have brown, white, blue, red, multiple colors in it is concerning for something, especially if it wasn't colored that way before. Uh, diameter, we teach people if it's bigger than a pencil eraser, which is seven millimeters or so, that that can be concerning. Many moles are larger than that, but um, it, you know that's just another one of the concerning um, features. And usually they will have multiple of these features, not just one of them. They'll satisfy sometimes all of them. The last being E for uh, evolution. And evolution or change really is what it means. Is it changing? Because if it's not changing, it's not melanoma. It's not skin cancer. Skin cancer or cancers in general are growing and changing. So is there a certain amount when it comes to our skin care and, and, you know, tracking our skin care, is there a certain amount of it that is really a lot of self-evaluation or should you partner up with a medical provider to continually track your skin care? 
so the answer is yes. Yeah, both of those. Um, uh, you know, we encourage people to get their skin evaluated um, annually uh, by a, a medical provider. But at the same time, you know, when people are coming to see us once a year, we're teaching them or reinforcing with them, uh, you know, some of the things that we just talked about and encouraging them to look at their skin a little more closely, maybe once a month, you know, they, at the first of the month might be a good way to remember, okay, now it's May. Okay. Now it's June, you know, first of the month, um, look at your skin, look at as much of it as you can. You can use the mirror, you can see your back. You could be able to pick up if something were, you know, large or changing. And I tell people they're more likely if they do that to pick up on a skin cancer, than I would be necessarily because they're going to catch it sooner. And, you know, the key with any cancer is to catch it early. When we catch it early, it's more easily treatable uh, and less likely to cause, uh, you know, severe problems with regard to having large surgeries or, uh, you know, possibly even, you know, succumbing to a cancer. As our guest, Dr. Chad Hendrickson, dermatologist with Butler Health System, Let's say you do get the skin cancer diagnosis. What are the treatments now for skin cancer? Where are we, uh, you know, in regards to if people do get that diagnosis, how does that process go forward? Yeah, so what we do is, uh, you know, a primary care uh, provider or ourselves will we'll do a biopsy first. We get uh, take a piece of the tissue. We send it off to the pathologist where they can then, you know, uh, characterize it for us, define which type it is, and also, you know, uh, if, if it's a more aggressive form. And then from there, you know, I have conversations with patients about uh, the different options because there are uh, many. Uh, some superficial cancers can be treated with topical medications that the patient applies uh, by themselves uh, at home. And then we check the area to make sure they had an appropriate response. And then, of course, follow up with them later to make sure that the cancer is not coming back. Uh, after that, we can uh, do small procedures, some where we just scrape and burn um, the skin cancer off because it's superficial and, and doesn't go into much deeper layers of the skin. There's also surgery where it can be cut out with a small margin of normal tissue in it um, and sent off to pathology again to make sure that it's clear and it's generally sewn up. Uh, that time at the time of surgery, um, and we take sutures out a week later, and and uh, then check back with them to make sure it's not coming back. And then there's a procedure called Mohs micrographic surgery, where for more uh, severe, sometimes more large cancers, uh, or in places like the face, um, uh, where we want to make sure that it's uh, completely gone, and also uh, you know maybe a little more tissue sparing, then we can do that. And so that is kind of the the hierarchy of treatments, um, all of which can be done in our setting uh, in a clinic where you don't have to go to the operating room. You don't have to uh, necessarily go under general anesthesia, but you can just have the area numb uh, and then taken out. And uh, does Butler Health System have a number of locations uh, in regards to where people can get these procedures done? Yes, we do. Um, we currently have uh, five locations um, where we are seeing patients. Um, it's Butler in uh, Seven Fields as well, so down in that area. And then I have clinics um, myself in Newcastle and Clarion and Seneca. So co covering a, a relatively wide range of, of areas. And we perform, you know, biopsies um, and uh, surgeries um, at all of those locations. 
Um, currently seven fields. Uh, we don't have uh, surgery performed there, but we do biopsies. We do full evaluations and medical treatment, and then we do surgery at the other locations. As we talk to guests here, uh, especially with Butler Health System, a lot of our listeners are curious as to uh, why doctors got into the line of work uh, that they did. So what led you to go down the road of dermatology? Yeah, that's a great question. I get that one a lot. And it's um, for me, uh, you know, the, the process in medical school is that you get to rotate and move through the different specialties as you learn about them. And um, it's, it's so that you, you gain a broad base of knowledge uh, about these different fields, but it's also to find out, you know, what your particular interest is. And for me, with dermatology, um, I enjoy clinic-based medicine as opposed to, you know, many physicians liking to be in the, uh, in the hospital setting. Mine is, is clinic-based. Um, we do see a lot of patients. We'll see, you know, 30 patients in a day. So we get to make, uh, you know, an impact on a lot of people's lives. And oftentimes, very quickly, they come in for something. They're bothered by a lesion on their skin, and we're able to uh, take it off for them right then and there or help them with uh, a bad skin rash or other skin disease um, that they have. And, uh, but we have a procedural side too, where we get to do a lot of uh, procedures and smaller surgeries. So that just uh, matched my interest. And so that's how I ended up in the field almost uh, 20 years ago. And I mean, I think there's a lot of people and circling back to part of our prior conversation is that this is the most common cancer in the U.S. I think a lot of folks out there know somebody who has been impacted by skin cancer and knows uh, a lot of the the trouble that it can bring for individuals regardless of age. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You know, it's estimated that one in five people in the United States will get skin cancer. And so for most of us, that's going to be multiple people in our lives and close to us um, that get skin cancer. And, uh, you know, this is a big part of it. Education is a big part of decreasing, um, you know, skin cancer numbers and also, you know, education about sunscreen and getting people to change their habits and make everything, you know, the use of sunscreen maybe more acceptable for people. Um, uh, you know, goes a long way to, to hopefully in the future seeing those numbers, you know, come down significantly. I, this may be anecdotal evidence that I'm asking for, uh, but are more people using sunscreen uh, than we did 20, 30 years ago? Yeah, I think so, for sure. And I think we're doing a much better job now protecting our kids. Um, and then also, you know, we still see a lot of uh, tanning practices, you know, every, a lot of people still like to have that color. And so we're seeing a lot of that, which we're also as an organization, as uh, dermatologists trying to, to decrease that, uh, the use of those uh, tanning beds, but also tanning outdoors. Um, so, yeah, I, but I do think there's a significantly increased number. And I think so that's over the years, we're going to start to see a, a significant decrease in in cancer we hope are there are going back to the tanning uh subject there is it the same amount of risk that people are assuming whether they're tanning in a bed or tanning in the sun or is one worse than the other yeah that's an interesting question i don't know that we necessarily have the full answer to that we know that burns tend to be you know worse than um you know than tanning and i would I would venture to say that burns, of course, can happen much more likely outdoors where people are spending that long period of time when they, they didn't protect themselves, whereas it can be somewhat more controlled in a setting like, um, uh, you know, tanning. Um, but we do know for sure that 
tanning, whether indoors or outdoors, can increase uh, and does increase your risk of skin cancer. And as we wrap things up with Dr. Chad Hendrickson, dermatologist for Butler Health System, what's your closing message to people as we begin the summer season? Yeah, it's, you know, get outside, be healthy, um, be practical about it. Use those kind of multiple different ways that uh, we talked about today to protect your skin. Um, and then make sure you're, you're checking your own skin, getting looked at uh, annually um, by a, a medical provider. And if you have any questions or concerns about a skin lesion, then um, make sure you get seen. Dr. Hendrickson, we appreciate you taking the time. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you. If you missed any of our program, you can check it out online at WISR680.com. I'm Tyler Friel saying so long for now. You have a tune to WISR.